So tonight, it's the new year. 2016 is only about a week and a half old. And we, I'm just so stoked. Um, I want us tonight to really think about, change the way we think even, or even shift our thinking on just this year and our relationship with God and what it looks like. If I were to ask you, how is your walk with God right now, what would you answer? Maybe some of you would say, it's all right. Um, It's not really there. It's okay. It's non-existent. Maybe Uh, it's good or maybe even amazing. Um, you know, all of us have different journeys, all of us have different uh, walks that we're going through, all of us have different trials, different things that we're facing. Um, but what I want us to think about tonight is wherever you're at with the Lord, what would it look like to ask for more? What would it look like to not just settle with where you're at, not to be okay with just where you're at, even if it's good? What would it look like to not settle for good, but to run after great in your walk with God? I'll explain in a minute, I'm going to pray, and then we'll go into the Bible. Uh, Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for uh, this group. I thank you for what you want to say tonight, God. I, I, just even in preparation for this, Lord, I myself have been challenged by uh, just the, the, the words tonight, Lord, the words you want to say. Uh, God, I just pray that you would get all the glory, that you would speak through me, that um, God, you would have a spotlight. Uh, and, and more importantly than anything, you would just be so big that we would walk away tonight encouraged with your faithfulness and your love and how much you want for us. Um, Lord, I love you. I thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Why don't you guys go ahead? We're going to be in Exodus 33. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus 33. Uh, when you guys get there, give us a word. That's kind of something we do. Let us know you're there. Exodus 33. If you have an app, feel free to use it. Try not to get distracted on Facebook and Instagram. That's still a distraction. But if, you, and I don't know. I, see, stop with your trick questions, Katie. Ah, oh, you're confusing me. Um, <laughs> all right, Exodus 33 is where we're going to be in our story. Um, to give you a little backstory, I'm just going to kind of paint a little picture of what's going on. Uh, we have, if you know Exodus, you know Moses is in Exodus. The story of Moses is in Exodus. The story of the Israelites is in Exodus. And so what's happening is Moses ha- and the Israelites are out of Egypt. They've been uh, set, you know, rescued from Egypt. Now they're kind of in the wilderness. They're waiting to get to the promised land. They're at Mount Sinai. Um, at this point in the, in the story, Moses is up on top of the mountain. He's meeting with God. God is actually giving him the Ten Commandments, the first set of Ten Commandments. He's got the stone tablets, and he's meeting with God. Now, the problem is, is that he's taken a while. The Israelites are starting to freak out. They're kind of wondering, hey, we've been pulled out of Egypt— um, you know, now we're on our way to the promised land. We're kind of stuck here. We don't know where Moses is. He's pro- he could be dead. I don't know. We're freaking out because if we don't have Moses and if Moses isn't talking to God, then we don't have a God to lead us to the promised land. And so what the Israelites decide to do is they decide they're going to make a God. And so what they do is they take all their gold, they melt it down and they make a calf. Um, out of it, and they start worshiping it, and they start singing and dancing around, it, and they're celebrating because, yay, we have a God now. He's got this little golden calf is going to lead us out of Israel or something. I don't know what they were thinking. They just needed something to hope in. And so um, Moses is up here. He's done meeting with God. And so God decides to let Moses know, hey, uh, your people down there are worshiping another God. You might want to go handle that. You might want to go take care of it. 
Um, so Moses, you know, God's a little upset. He's kind of saying, hey, like in this moment, God's like, hey, these are a stiff necked people. They're stubborn. Um, I'm about to like throw my wrath on them. I'm about to destroy these fools. So you need to go down and handle business because I can't, ha- I can't take this. And so Moses goes down. He sees what's going on. He's furiated. He breaks the stone tablets. It shatters everywhere. Ten commandments are gone. Um, and, and he melts this calf. And he says, basically just like lays the hammer. At, calls, it's kind of crazy. I'll let you read it in uh, Exodus 32 if you want. But long story short, he's like, hey, if you want to follow God, come with me. Everybody who came ended up killing everyone else who didn't. So it was kind of weird. Um, but it was nuts. And that's not really part of the story. But that's where we land. Okay? So now we're here at Exodus 33. And I'll go ahead and read it. Um, so God's a little upset. And so he's with Moses. And he says to Moses, he says, leave this place, you and the people you brought out of Egypt. And go up to the land I promised on, on, on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give you... I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, or and the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. So someone's a little upset, right? We, it's, it's pretty clear. Um, so God's upset, right? He says, look, I'm not going with you because I might destroy you on the way. Um, now, you might think, wow, that's pretty mean of God. That's like not the God I know, right? God is, God is all grace. God is all love. But in fact, it's an act of grace that God's not going with them. That's why he's saying, hey, I'm still going to fulfill my promise, but I'm going to send an angel with you because you guys are stubborn. You guys are impatient. You guys are sinning, and I cannot personally dwell amongst it. You see, this is before Jesus, so there's no... There's no final payment of sin yet. And so God, in all of his goodness and righteousness, cannot dwell with the Israelites in their sin. And so he's saying, I, I, still, I still want to fulfill this promise, and I still love you, so I'm going to send this angel instead so I don't just wreck you, right? Um, so it's pretty nuts. Um, you might think it's like, that's a little harsh, but it's actually good that he did that, um, that he said that. So uh, now we go into verse four. It says, um, when the people heard this, uh, these distressing words, they began to mourn uh, and no one put on any ornaments for the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you are a stiff necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments and mourned at Mount Horeb. Um, so you have now, God's a little upset. He's saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to not go with you, but you guys are still going to go. This is going to happen. But they're sad. They're upset that God's not going with them, right? They're, they're mourning their sin. They're mourning that they've sinned against God. And they're saying, you know, they've, they've stripped themselves, um, of anything and are just mourning their sin. And so you have this moment. It's kind of interesting that they would rather risk God's destruction and be with him in his presence than to be a little safe and go with this angel. But they're sad that God's presence is no longer going with them. Um, So here we have Moses now. He's about to try to intervene here and and just plead with God. Um, And so Moses uh, used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. 
And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance at their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of, uh, pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. The Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance of their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So this, this is actually kind of a cool scene that it just paints all of a sudden. Now Moses takes this tent, he sets it up, he sits inside, and everybody, every time he goes into the tent, he, he, like the, the whole village of Israelites, the whole camp, gets out of their tent and just watches. I just imagine Moses walking through the camp. Everybody's kind of getting out of their tent and just kind of watching Moses go into the tent. He gets in this tent and this pillar of cloud shows up. And this pillar of clouds is a sign that God is there. God is communing with Moses. And so they get pumped. They're like, God is here. God is leading us. God is directing Moses. So we have somebody to follow. And they worship God at their tents. And I think it's just a, that's just a, such a beautiful picture. And one of my favorite things in this part of the verse is that it says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as he would a friend. I think it's such a beautiful, intimate picture. Now, it doesn't mean, and I'll, you'll, you'll see why later, it doesn't mean that God is literally face to face, but it's talking about the intimacy that Moses and the Lord had, that, that they would talk intimately, that, that God would commune with Moses in such a way that it was comforting, that it was encouraging, that it's what kept him going as a leader leading these people. And so in all the chaos, just for a brief moment, Moses would walk into this tent and everything was right. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful picture. Um, man, it, I, I, and I think it's just, I, I don't know, it's just really cool. I'm stoked. Anyway, uh, Moses says to the Lord during this time, he says, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. So you have Moses in this position now. He's kind of, he's kind of begging with God. He's trying to bargain and reason with God saying, God, I'm not sure about this angel. Moses is in a spot where he's not sure about the company that God is sending because it's not God. And so he's saying, I don't know about this. I'm not, you really haven't told me who's really going with me. I want you. So I want you to show me. I want you to teach me. Um, he, he, he's, he's trying to convince God to be there. Because Moses knows that an angel isn't a substitute for God's presence. And so Moses is saying, please, show me, teach me. I can't lead these people without you. I need you to be around. I need you to teach me. I need you to show me. You told me that you know me, that you've chosen me, that you know my name, which means that God has called him, that God has specifically singled out Moses and said, you are going to be my chosen one. I'm going to use you. And so Moses is pleading that God, Please, I need you. I cannot do this alone. So the Lord replies. And it's almost as if God is like waiting for this to happen and for Moses to say this. And God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So in this very moment, God is saying, okay, calm down. I know you're freaking out. My presence is going with you then. I'm going to go with you and you will find rest. 
And Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me, with your people, unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of this earth? You see, Moses knew that God's presence was the game changer. God's presence was different. God's presence was what made this whole endeavor so special because it's what distinguished everyone else and God's chosen people. It, 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 was the, it, was the, it was the pivotal thing. It was, this was the most important thing. Otherwise, they would just be this other, this some random tribe wandering the world. But God being there shows that there's favor on these people. God being there shows the glory of who he is, shows the testimony of what God's doing and the rescue that he's bringing. Moses said, God had to be there or else it's not happening. Moses didn't want to leave. And it's funny because Moses knows what's at stake. Moses knows like, hey, if you come with me, I know you might destroy us. But I don't care because you coming with me is more important and more special than anything else I could ever want. That's kind of the attitude that Moses has. Moses knew that God's presence was the key. So the Lord assured him again. He said, I will do everything you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. So you see Moses in this tent. It's an intimate moment and he's pleading with God and God says, okay, because I love you, because I've called you, because I'm with you. Now you think that would be good enough for Moses, right? He got his wish, he got his answer, but no, Moses wants more. So Moses says, now show me your glory, right? I mean, you just, you just begged God to come back with you. That's a victory, man. Like, you should be happy with that. You know, God, like God was like, I'm, a, I'm about to mess you up. I'm not coming with you anymore. And, and God instead goes with, you know, says, I'm going to go with you. That's a win, right? And, and, and so Moses should be happy and be like, all right, God, peace out. We'll talk tomorrow. No, he's like, I'm not finished. I'm not settled. I want more. So he says, show me your glory. So when I read this, I want you to just imagine this happening. Because I think it's such a cool picture. I just, I can't even put into words how amazing it would be. But just, just imagine this as I read this. And the Lord says, I will cause all of my goodness. I don't know what that looks like, but that sounds awesome. All of my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. So God in all of his glory is so amazing, literally would kill you. Right? This is what God is saying. Like, you cannot see me right now or you will die. Um, we get to see him when we go to heaven because we're already dead and death is no more. So it works. Um, uh, I, I'm assuming that's how it works. We'll see. Um, so the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Can you imagine how freaking amazing that would be, right? I don't know what God's goodness fully looks like in physical form. I don't know like how awesome that is, but can you imagine, like you have to be stuck in a rock 
And God himself the only, is the only thing powerful enough to shield you from himself. And then walk by you, and then you get to peek out a little and see his backside. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know what he saw. I'm not sure what he was looking at. I don't know if God's goodness has a booty or not. So I don't know if he, like, peeked out. Oh, hey. Uh, you know, I don't know. But all I know is it was probably the most amazing thing Moses had ever experienced at that point. Right? It was probably the most amazing thing. That that, out of everything else he's experienced, he's like, God, I want more. And God's like, fine, I will show you more. You see, what's challenging to me about this story is that Moses could have just settled with the offer God put on the table. Like he could have been like, okay, God, I understand you're mad. And I don't want to die. I don't want Israel to die. So we'll go with this angel, right? The promise would have been fulfilled. They would have been happy in the promised land. Things would have still been good. God's plan would have still been fulfilled. And it would have been okay. But God didn't, Moses didn't want that. You see, that was good, but Moses didn't want to settle for just good with God. He wanted the Lord. Nothing else mattered. Not even the risk of destruction mattered to Moses because the goodness of the Lord, the presence of the Lord is what he wanted. And he was willing to risk that. That got me thinking. That got me challenged personally, thinking, man, what... What if I sought the Lord out like that? What if we sought out more? Think about your walk with God. What does it look like for you to seek out more of God? What if we chose not to settle for just being okay with where we're at and wanted more, even if we're at a good spot? What would that do? What would we experience? What are some of the crazy things that we would see? What if we went where the Lord wanted us to go without hesitation, without, without thinking and calculating risks and trying to keep it safe and play it safe? Man, what would it look like if we asked to see God's glory in our lives? You see, I'm also challenged because it gets me asking this question, am I living my life and my, with my relationship with God to the fullest? Am I living it out? Am I chasing after it? And wanting more. I'd probably say no. I'd probably answer I'm comfortable. You know, I, I mean, it's not bad, right? It's, 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 it's not, I'm not doing anything wrong. But I think there's, there's more. And I'm missing out on more. You know, it's kind of like a same team, same routine kind of day to day. You know, come to church, go to life group, work at church, hang out with my wife talk with some people about Jesus and, you know, it's all good. It's, it's good stuff. But man, I think there's more. I'm challenged because I know there's more. You know, and a lot of times when I'm talking to God, I find myself asking for more, but for more money, for more patience, uh, f- to be less selfish. That's even selfish asking for that, I guess. Um, you know, for more day-to-day wisdom. Still, all good things but there's more. Um, you know, oftentimes I meet people, when I meet with people, I ask, how's your relationship with God? Oftentimes I get the answer, it's good, you know, or it's all right. Um, you know, that's a good thing still. 
Um, and I'd often say the same thing. You know, and oftentimes things are good. There's no complaints. But I can't help but think, man, if I have a God, if we have a God who wants to shower his love, his grace, his mercy, his generosity, his goodness, his holiness, everything that he's about, he wants to freely give. And on top of that, use us to help change lives, use us to feed the poor, use us to love on the hurting and the broken. How can I say it's just good? How is it just good if I get to be a part of that? There is so much more. And it's got me challenged because I want more. I don't want to be on the sidelines. I don't want to just, I don't want to just sit in God's presence. I want to be a part of God's presence happening in this world. I want to be used by God's presence. I want to go where God's presence goes. I want more. So what would it look like for you guys? Each and every one of you, what would it look like for you to see more of God's presence? What areas are you just settling on? What areas are you just okay with? Again, it's not bad if things are good, but there's more. And it's okay to want more. And that's what I'm trying to encourage you guys with tonight. It's okay to want more of God. It's okay to be greedy for God. It's okay to want more of his presence. It's okay to want more of his time. It's okay to want more of who he is. It's okay to want more of his love and his grace because he wants to freely give it because he loves you. And that's such a beautiful truth and so freaking encouraging. And it's, it's also challenging, right? Because I sit here in my day-to-day, I'm comfortable, I'm good, Right? But man, I think there's more. Man, what if we intentionally loved people more? What if we intentionally like went out and just started praying for people? What would that look like? What would it look like to be more invested in your life group? What would it look like for you to to press forward in your life groups, to encourage people, love on the people that may be hard to love in your life group? What about your families? There's got to be one person that there's hardest to love, right? We all got those family members, right? And that's okay. What would it look like to love them more? What would it look like to have more God in that? What would it look like to have more God in your school career? Think about, some of you are graduating. Think about what you want to do in life. What would it look like to have more of God involved in that? It's crazy to think, what if... What if striving for six figures is just settling in this life? Right? What? It's weird, but it's true. Compared to God, that's settling. If you just strive for that, settling. Because God's presence, who God is, what he has to offer, the life he wants us to live through him is way more valuable than anything we could ever chase on this earth. Anything. If we want to experience God, we got to take risk. It takes risk. You know, you look at Moses, he's like taking a risk. He's like, look, you probably might destroy us, but I want you to go. You know, I I don't know if I'd take that risk, but I might just go with the angel. But I mean, he's like, look, I've seen enough. I mean, you talk about Moses, right? This guy's seen enough. And even still at this point in his story, in his life, he's probably still taking a risk. But think about Moses 
And probably why he's so confident is because he's experienced God. But at some point, we have to take that risk so we can experience God to get to the point where we can keep asking for more too. Right? I mean, think about Moses' story, right? This guy who's on the run for killing somebody. He used to be a prince of Egypt. Great movie. Um, uh, sorry. I was super sidetracked. Um, you know, this guy had it all. Killed a dude on the run in the wilderness. All of a sudden, this bush sets on fire in the desert and starts talking to him. By his name, it says Moses. I mean... That's creepy. I probably would not approach a bush on fire saying my name. Um, But he took that risk, right? He stepped in. And then he says, look, I'm going to use you to deliver my people out of Egypt. First thing he says is, I have a stutter. And he probably said it like Porky Pig. He's got a stutter. I can't lead people. How am I supposed to lead? I have a stutter. No one's going to understand me. No one's going to know what I'm saying. How's this, you know? But he takes that risk. I mean, it's a huge risk when you have Egypt's army chasing you down and you're backed up against an ocean and all God says is, hey, throw your wooden stick in that water and watch what happens. I mean, (laughs) you know, like that's a risk still. You're like, I don't know, man. Like, you know, I mean, you kind of run out of options at that point, but he's like, all right, you know, and it just opens up water freaking opens up and they walk through. And as soon as the last Israelite walks through, Egypt destroyed, or that army at least, because Egypt's still around. Um, (laughs) But man, I mean, how much risk do you think it takes for a guy like Moses, who's uh, 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 enemy number one to Egypt, walking in to the king and like, hey, you better let my people go, or there's a plague coming. I mean, that's risky, right? What's stopping him from seizing you right there and just stabbing you with whatever weapons they had? I mean, you know, risk. But Moses takes these risks and he sees what happens. Pillar of fire, what's that? What is that? Pillar of cloud, like what does that even look like? You know, and hey, if you want to ask God to see one of those, go for it. He might, I don't know. Um, But my point is it it, it takes risk to experience God. It took the Israelites a lot of risk because they were under years of oppression they could have been obliterated. Even with God, they could have been obliterated. And I'm sure at most of those times, Moses is like, I'm freaked out. I'm freaking out. I'm not sure. God, just take it. And probably even in the tent, God, I'm freaked out. If you're not coming with me, like, this isn't going to happen. You see, I think to experience God's greatness, we're probably going to have to get a little uncomfortable. And we're probably going to have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because when we want to see God more, a lot of times when we see God, we're stretched. Our backs are to the wall because it seems like there's no hope. And God shows up and freaking blows our minds. And what I love about God and his character is when we ask, he gives it. So when we ask for more of God, I have to think, that he would be okay with giving you more of himself. I have to think that you, we would experience God in amazing ways, in, in mind-blowing ways. Because he's faithful. Because he loves. And what I love about this is if Moses 
If Moses can experience God in this way, how much more could we experience God as sons and daughters of God and co-heirs of Christ? I mean, think about it. What Moses has, we have. And we don't have to go to a tent to get it. It's just here. And so if we have that, how much more will God provide? If God's already providing for Moses that way, man, we have an opportunity to meet God face to face, to see God in his glory. We're not on this wrath side anymore. We don't have to risk God's wrath. God's not saying, hey, if you keep sinning, I'm gonna just freaking destroy you. It's like, no, I sent my son for that. And that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of what we have in Jesus is that we have every day, probably, what you guys have maybe in your hour times of devotional is what Moses had up on the mountain and probably wished he had at any moment, any time he wanted. Man, we have it so much better. And so why not take advantage of the infinite power, the infinite love, the infinite grace, the infinite mercy, the infinite goodness of who God is? Why don't we just step out a little, take some risk, be used by God, put him first, chase after him, and, and be used and see things that we've never seen before. I mean, you heard it in the testimonies tonight. These are things that weren't expected. They took some risk. They had to put themselves out there. Sam's talking to people that don't even understand English, <laughs> preaching the gospel, and God freaking uses, there's no language barrier, right? How many of you ever gone somewhere and tried to talk to somebody that doesn't understand your language? I mean, but God uses it. Obviously, she had a translator, but God used that translator. The point is, is that God is ready to use you. God is ready to show you more. Whatever that looks like, I don't know. Because we all have different walks. We all have a different journey. We all have different circumstances going on in our lives. But you can bet the same thing goes for us is that God is faithful. That he loves us. That he's ready to give us more. And all we have to do is ask. Literally, all we have to do is ask. If we just get that this year, man, just think of the year you could have. Think of the year you could have I mean, what would it look like for you to go to CSUN and just start praying for people? Or Pierce, or Moorpark, or Kowloon, or College of the Canyons, or out of state if you're out of state, right? What would that look like? Just a random person, hey, can I pray for you? I mean, that's weird, right? It's not common. People are really taken back by it. What would that look like, though? Man, if God just showed up all of a sudden in that moment, right? What would it look like if God just used you in a way that you've never been used before. And he can, and he wants to, and he does. And so this year, guys, together as a, as a community, as a, as a body here in Soma, but also individually, man, let's ask for more. Let's ask God for more because he's sitting here wanting us to get more. He's sitting here wanting to give more. Whatever it is you want from him, he wants to give his love, his grace, his mercy, his patience, his kindness, his gentleness, his challenges. He wants to give it. 
He wants to dwell with you. His presence is with you. His presence goes with you and it will never leave you. And so if you have that presence, the same presence, the same power that split that water in half, that makes clouds of fire and freaking pillars of fire and clouds, I don't know, just like crazy stuff. How, you know, that's, that's the guy that's like in you. Man, let's run towards it. Let's ask for more. Let's be bold like Moses. Show me your glory. Gosh, what a question. What, can you imagine? I don't even know like what that would look like. That blows my mind. But man, as a body, as individuals in your walk, let's not settle for where we're at. Let's not settle with, with just where we're at now. Let's, let's strive for more. Let's yearn for more. Let's desire for more. Because he wants to give it. And he loves to give it. He's all about it because he loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for, I just thank you for you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you're faithful. I thank you that your presence is worth more than even death. Your presence is better than anything we could ever strive for here. Your presence is better for anything we could ever want, anything we could ever need. Your presence is everything. Your presence is the game changer. You going with us is the game changer in our walks of life, in our pursuit of our careers, in our pursuit of our schooling, in our pursuit of our families, uh, in pursuit of our relationships. God, your presence, you, is what makes the difference. God, I just pray that we would want more. I pray tonight we would want more. And tonight, if that's you, if you want more this year, if you want, even just in this semester, saying, God, I want more. When we're worshiping, I just want you to give that to him. I want you to declare that you want more. I want you to sing out to him, to declare who he is and his goodness. Because he's got something to give and he's got something to offer. So God, we give this night to you. We give this message to you. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And we pray in your name, amen. Why don't we stand up and worship?